0: Hi, I'm Johnny Varvel UK's Editor-in-Chief, and I'm delighted to welcome you to the Varvel Football Podcast. This podcast aims to bring you insight, debate, and entertainment from some of the best and brightest young sports journalists from around the world. Please do give us a listen. you have already started, so I'd recommend staying for a little bit longer, at least. And if you enjoy what you're hearing, then please do give us a subscribe, and even better, give us a positive review. Positive reviews are a great way to expand our reach. Not only would this mean a lot to me, but it would mean a lot to over 300 writers that write regularly for Varble UK. We hope to get as many of them on this podcast as we possibly can over the course of the 2021 to 22 season. Anyway, enough of my waffle. Let's get straight into this.
1: This podcast is part of the Big Heads Media Podcast Network. Go to bigheadsmedia.com for more great podcasts.
0: Hello, welcome back. 2022 is a year of optimism, hope, and wonder, but not for myself. Uh, Not for my football team. Not for everyone, I suppose. No, I'm only joking. I think I had a good start to the year, as I say to Harry, actually, before. It was a, a wonderful time. It made the most of not having restrictions in place. I think we're allowed to say that because it was legal and above board but i mean first of all harry you
2: also had a little bit of a celebration of new year enjoyable yeah it was all right just went to the pub bit of a quiet affair but good to see in the new year with a uh, with good mates i'm sure you had probably had a better time than me in your <laughs> you a little
0: bit better might be. i don't know <laughs> if that's the right word actually but it was a more i had an eventful time it was uh it was nice as i say in the time last week and when we did this last podcast we were talking about Football stadiums being closed with the rising cases. We're talking about potential restrictions coming in at the time in Britain, in England, at least, I should say, because of course, Wales and Scotland did have the restrictions up. Many of them flocked over to England, so God knows what. You wouldn't think and look at a (laughs) (laughs) Newcastle. No, soon as soon as I got off the train, I was in London. Hello, my friend. Hello there. So, no, Shrek wasn't there, was he? <laughs> Shrek wasn't there, was he? Don't know where what that a start! Came from. What a start! Yeah, fantastic. It can only get better from here. That's also the same for me, for my football team, anyway. Also, I hope. Anyway, but I'll tell you what, actually, we should we should mention start with with twenty twenty two being. Uh, you know, only just kicked off, really. The the wonderful Chelsea-Liverpool game is something we should really touch on. Maybe a slight touch on Arsenal-Man City as well, but there is going to be a big focus on the teams at the bottom of the table because Oscar O'Mara will be joining from a German airport. Um, we could ask for the specifics when he does join I'm not sure which airport it is maybe Munich I don't know but he will be joining to offer his thoughts on Watford maybe a bit on on the relegation as well although we won't have him for the whole thing because of course he has a train a train a plane to catch so that's uh that's probably his priority right now we'll touch actually we'll start with with, with that wonderful clash at the top of the table Chelsea Liverpool really a secondary story, actually, in many ways for Chelsea this weekend because of the whole Lukaku situation. Never ideal, is it, Harry, when you, when you star players comes out and says, I don't like the manager's tactics. I wish I was back at my old club. And uh, I want to go back to my old club in my prime when he's, you know, arguably in his prime years.
2: Very bizarre, wasn't it? I don't think anyone really expected Lukaku to come out with something like that. And it wasn't an authorised interview either by the club, so I don't think anyone really knew about it mm-hmm. at all. I was listening to the, you know, on tonight on you know Super Sunday and before the games, and it was uh, Jamie Carragher and Hasselbaink and a few of them were arguing about it, and I think what the coaches try to do is put pressure on the board to sack Thomas Tuchel. I think that's the, the the overriding thing about it, and Carragher turned around and said, "Players at Chelsea in the past have been able to get managers out because of the quality of their team. Something's not working, that sort of thing." Tuchel now is so important to Chelsea. He's probably more important than the majority of the players because look at the situation at Man United. Still don't have a manager in, no idea who they're going to get, whether that's going to work. There's three elite managers about in Ralph. this league mm, on the basis of that performance at St. James's party of the week. i bet they to differ. Seems he's going upstairs, anyways, though. Wreck it, Ralph. He's, I don't think. Wreck it, Ralph. Yeah. Or someone um, put on a reply to a tweet of the week. It was uh, Ralph Rag Nickelodeon. I thought it was quite interesting. Like, like the children's <laughs> but, channel. Yeah, But yeah, back to yeah. my original point, I think Tuchel's yeah. probably more important than the majority of the players at that club. Mm. And if was trying to put pressure on the board, it's not worked. And it took the right thing, dropping them from the squad mm. today. And I, I did think we would see a reaction from the Chelsea players. And their press was relentless. Mm. I've never seen them press like that with intensity against you know such a good Liverpool team. And fantastic game of football. Helped football having draw, Kante and
0: Kovacic in a, in a pivot though, oh, it? Of the, of the two it. most energetic.
2: Yeah. And that goal from Kovacic as well. That's, that's got to be well, it's the goal of the season so far for me. That's <laughs> so difficult to do. I mean, he's backpedalling, hit it on the volume. And if yeah. you tried that a hundred times, you'd probably scored two or three. Oh, I
0: don't know, Harry. You class. say you, you say you as if I'm just an ordinary football. If I tried that if, every time, I would do it with the back of my heel. I think actually we'll get the cameras on you
2: five or minutes. Five five five. Oh, the, I love
0: the cameras on me. You know that, but I think that, yeah, it was it was a great game, great, and it was it was COVID inspired a bit, wasn't it? Because Liverpool had their COVID absentees. To, Allison and Gold Kelleher actually had quite a good game. In fairness to him, made some made a great save i think against i think it was pew or Havertz. can't quite remember but it was in point blank range territory it was a very very good stop and obviously you know other absentees as well from both from both teams really in in that lineup james as well with a long-term injury something they're gonna to have to probably look at fixing uh within sorry uh, yeah james sorry F- look at fixing maybe within the within the window don't know Obviously, left wing-back's an issue as well. Alonso did okay. But yeah, I think it, I, I, I think you've got that spot on, really. It did seem like a power play move by Lukaku. And, and what was so refreshing was that the entire fan base, pretty much, is in favour of the manager. Now, Chelsea usually... Fans are usually quite behind the manager. I remember when Jose Mourinho, second time around, they were about 10th or 11th, weren't they, in the league or bottom half. They were losing quite consistently um, in the league. And then I think when he was sacked, the game after they won three 0 and I'm pretty sure some of the fans were booing their own the players at that point because they were sort of saying, "Well, why could you throw our manager under the bus before this? This is a you know a legend of the football club." And granted, it's not quite the same because Tuchel's still, you know, doing rather well in the league despite a recent downturn in in the wins, and and yeah, it it, it says a lot about Lukaku, doesn't it, that he did that really, Harry? I mean, it's. It it, it just, well it doesn't help anyone really because the Inter fans as well the Inter the Inter uh, the, the the main the ultras came out and said well I think it was a translator message saying something along the lines of oh well we appreciate those that don't just stay in the rain but they also stay when the storm hits and it's sort of saying that when they had a financial meltdown if he really loved the club as much as he did he would have honoured his contract maybe took take, took taken reduced terms with anything that was offered, but it seems like Lukaku wanted to be earning mega money, wanted to be earning the big books. And when he couldn't get that with Inter and couldn't get that sustainably with Inter, that's when he started uh, his desire to move overseas. And they're not too keen on the fact that he's happy to go back now. And to be honest, to be honest, Harry, will they even have him back now? Dzeko and and Dumfries signed to replace replace, uh, Hakimi and and Lukaku for a fraction of the price that they were sold for, and they're doing wonderfully well.
2: Well, I don't think beneath him but I think Lukaku's shot himself in the foot really because I think he yeah. ex- expected into fans just to go, oh, you know, we'll have you back. But I mean they're in such a dire financial situation. Yeah. And if I can't remember, you know, with Chelsea, Lukaku was desperate to go back. I'm yeah. sure he handed in a transfer request or something along the lines of that. Yeah. And he pleaded with Inter to let him go. They didn't want him to leave. He's got his move back to New England, talks about unfinished business and wants to come back to Chelsea, the club where he never did it because of course he, he moved on early on in his career. He's had the opportunity, he's fallen out the side, took as a manager that is not overly dependent on him. He's been out with injury. He's probably struggled to get his fitness back up to that full speed, the intensity mm. you need, now as a modern-day Premier League striker. And he's fallen out of favour and he's spat his dummy out. So at the end of the mm. day, if I was Romelu Lukaku, I would probably apologise to the fans, I would apologise to the players and as manager, get his head down, start working and show why he's a £100 million striker.
0: Mm. I can't really, can't really think anything better. Do you, do you, do you imagine that, the, I mean big investment so you imagine there is a way back for him don't you after this after this one game dropping yeah. yeah pretty much and also as well you could argue even though it was a stupid interview to do there have been some suggestions that there has been a bit of mistranslation slash quotes out of context um obviously the general interview itself was a bad idea obviously some of the things he said weren't clever but it seems like some things have been slightly exaggerated at points for example when he called Thomas Tuchel out he also said within the same sort of breath I will work hard to get back into this. And then he also insinuated that maybe he hadn't been as good as he, he could have been uh, in certain situations. So again, even though some of the things said weren't good, if we focus on the, those negative bits and take away the the, the the bit where he has balance, then I suppose you're going to get a far more biased story against him. And I imagine Tuchel even insinuated or said as much himself in those initial responses. He said, well, some of these quotes seem to have been used to sensationalize what actually happened. So it was a, it was a silly thing to do, Seems to have been hyped up or, well, to the point of ridiculousness and sensationalised by people probably wanting a few more clicks.
2: I agree with you to an extent there. And I imagine mm. also, that I, I, you, you'd imagine that he's done that interview because of the way he's left in He's mm. not left in a good light. He loved the club, you know, but I think he's gone a bit too far with some of the oh, comments yeah. he said. But like you said, a lot of it can be taken out of context. You know, the translation from Italian to English
0: yeah. isn't
2: the most clear. No, but at the end of the day, he's in the wrong. Shouldn't have done it, and it's pretty clear some of the stuff he said. And I don't think there's any translation issues with a lot of the party said saying that he wants to return to into Milan as prime, and his prime is now. So where yeah. does that leave Chelsea? Where does that leave them with that hundred million pound striker who seemingly doesn't want to be there anymore? Just something I'll touch with you briefly before we have a quick this quick mention of City
0: after that, and then we'll we'll bring Oscar in from the wonderful land of Germany. Uh, but. Lukaku suppose Lukaku did leave in the summer, supposedly. Hypothetically, imagine if Chelsea replaced him with Haaland.
2: When I mean, that would be that would be unbelievable, but I think Man City have I think that, that's the Do you know something? It. No, I don't. I've got, not, a I've got no Sources. No, I've got no sources, but not it literally? makes a lot of sense, Haaland we, yeah, to Man City. Yeah.
0: Very good, very good. Touch on City then, you you did just then. That would be a phenomenal signing for Man City, the strikerless team that seemed to be running away with the league anyway. Um, maybe they should play without a goalkeeper. Maybe that even it out a little bit. It might <laughs> give us
2: a chance, or oh, <laughs> yeah. a chance or something.
0: Yeah, get someone. Maybe Raheem Sterling in goal. Decent diver. That's quite harsh, actually. Well, or goal. Yeah, kept a clean sheet. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. He did. Did he? he? While he was on the field. He did. I think mm. he made Champions a save. Team, didn't yeah. He? yeah, he did. Yeah. Um, it, it's they were very fortunate to win that Arsenal game, but well. You know, I I guess... Credit to them. Yeah, Yeah. sign of champions in adversity. And when they're playing poorly, they find a way to win. And they haven't been playing poorly very much recently. So it's a a bad sign for the rest of the league where you think, oh, well, they they were really hard-pressed against it then. And they still managed to find a way to win when they were really struggling, I suppose, at times of that game.
2: I mean, they're just so close to perfection, aren't they? Mm. And you look at the table now, I think it's 10 points to Chelsea if Liverpool win that game in hand. I think it's seven or eight. Mm. You ain't catching them. No, it would be it would be an almighty capitulation. Something horrendous would have to happen for Man City to not win the Premier League at this point. And Arsenal are a good side; they've surprised a lot of people this season. Mm. I think they're an outsider for the top four. They'll yeah. certainly finish in the Europa League spots. And a lot of their fans online were saying that's the best Arsenal have played in three or four years, and they still lost to this Man City side that didn't really turn up. It just shows yeah. how good they are, and I think look in years to come the premier league is going to be dominated by them and chelsea yeah.
0: and and newcastle yeah, yeah.
2: when well, they hopefully
0: you know, you were saying if something drastic happened what happens if newcastle put a 350 million pound bid in for de bruyne 400 for <laughs> bernardo just take the whole team replace them with kieran clark send them over to man city that would be drastic it would be drastic probably isn't going to happen and you know, take one or the other and then they can appoint steve bruce I don't i'm know. keeping eddie how <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah cool no we'll get on to that in a second actually you make a very fair point it's something we'll look to do actually as a, as a viable feature the top four race with the top four editors um not the top four editors in terms of quality two of them are here obviously um but <laughs> but actually the 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 people in the running because and Again, again, this will be a relegation theme one because I am going to bring Oscar on in a second and we are going to discuss it at length because it was quite a bleak week for me and a, 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 a less, less bleak week for Harry and quite bleak for Oscar yeah, too. we didn't play.
2: Yeah,
1: exactly.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Delighted. Yeah. But but yeah, very true, very true. Uh, yeah, the ones that don't play have the happier weekends, don't they? At this point in time, if you're at the bottom, but on that top four race, you 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 touch really. Qu- I mean, I summarise this really as the three the three teams that seem to stick out for me, and it's Tottenham, and it's Arsenal, and it's Man United. I think from an individual level, Man United should get fourth, right? I think from the best manager level, Tottenham should get fourth, and then I think um, for so on those two alone, you sort of think, well, you know. I mean, is a very good coach, a very, very top-end coach. Whether he's an elite manager at another level, Conte is an elite manager, so he can do wonders with, with less. So you, on that basis, though, you think, oh, maybe Tottenham could outdo them. The thing with Arsenal, I think, is that everything they've got, even though it's very good, is young. Young manager, young players, young technical director, young structure. Usually, when the going gets tough early on, young and inexperienced can kind of falter a little bit at the end, whereas, uh, obviously, at United, you've got experienced players individually. Ronaldo, Fernandes, Toplet, De Gea. People have been there, done that, seen it. Tottenham, you've got an elite winner, a serial winner, Conte. He can get, he can, can he turn water into wine? He has. So, again, I don't think getting Tottenham fourth would be beyond his limits. It'd be beyond most people's limits, but it, I don't know if it would be beyond his. And then, obviously, at Arsenal, you know, do they have that certainty? Do they have those people that, you know, grab the team by the scruff of the neck do they have that in the manager not yet because I think he's learning I think a lot of the players are still learning and I think the, the structure's still learning but they're, they're in a good place aren't they Harry I think regardless of where they finish Arsenal and the other two I don't know I, where do you see it briefly out of those three it, before we move on to dreaded territory I mean if I
2: was a betting man I would still yeah. back Man United just because of the yeah, body they've got on their team mm. and they're not that far off and they've got a couple of games in hand but you can't rule out West Ham either I mean, no, I wrote no. them off at the start of the season saying they'd finished mid-table because yeah. of... West Ham didn't that like that, thing. did he? No, he didn't. But they've, they've blown away teams. They were, yeah. they were quality again uh, against yeah. Palace. But Arsenal as well, I think there's a lot less expectation on them players as well. And they're not having to juggle European football, which is, has helped them massively. Mm. So oh, it could be any of them, to be fair. But even Spurs, I think a lot of it rides on the January transfer window. They've promised Conte money. Let's see if they, they mm. go through with that and who they bring in. You expect Man United will always bring in a couple of players. Arsenal, I wouldn't expect, considering they spent like 130 million in the summer. West Ham, it's not going to be. I think they'll probably bring in a centre half but it could be any of them. But better man, I would say Man United, to be fair.
0: Yeah, I, I also agree with you. At the start of the season, we said Man United had been a title race. So the fact that they'd be finishing fourth is a bit of a drop, isn't it, from that? And Brad would say the same. It's a bit of a drop from those expectations. Fourth is the minimum, really, that they should get. But at the same time, given that Arsenal are building a lot of momentum, given that Tottenham have an elite manager, and given that United are transitioning into a team that are now pressing high and, and they develop into a philosophy, it could still happen that... United could finish sixth and one of those two could get fourth and one of those two could get fifth. You just don't know. But I tell you what, that, that should be exciting. It should be an exciting race that we have. And uh, I really very much look forward to seeing it. And now we'll move on to the relegation zone with an Oscar who is wearing a mask. He is in Germany. You, can't, you don't have the advantage that we do of seeing that on this Zoom call, but that there you are. That is audio description at its best. Um, Oscar, how are you doing? Have you had a happy new year?
1: I have, and happy new year to you too. Oh, thank you very much. Thanks for it. Yeah, you yeah,
0: too. yeah. Did you do anything nice? As he as he blocks out that, does he do anything ass. nice? Terminal <laughs> announcement. on the Terminal board. announcement. I've never done never done a podcast in an airport before. What's it like?
1: No, it's probably not wise either. But um, you're going to hear some wonderful and eloquent German uh, over the back of me. So I'll stay myself on mute as much as possible. But um, yeah, probably not a good idea. So I'll mute myself until this is over.
0: <laughs> That's the spirit. Just exactly what we want from people on, on <laughs> the podcast. So there's an announcement going on in the background. So I'm going to try and make this a very long question, like I do already, because I love the sound of my own voice, Oscar. But if we're looking at the relegations, though, we've got, you know, it seems apt to, to ask you about uh, Watford, the team you edit, the team you follow, very much in a, in a four horse race. To be the worst three teams in the league, one, one, one it would seem is going to um, is going to not be in that in that trio of teams. Uh, three obviously will because trio of teams. But what it was looking when Ranieri first came in a little bit rosier. He got a few wins together. The four-one against Man United being probably the highlight of it. The five-two against Everton was pretty good as well, but lot of defeats now in succession. Obviously, the Watford board aren't too friendly with the managers when things get tough and when adversity hits hard. So how do you see the situation going at this point? Do you think Ranieri can turn it around? Do you think he's on borrowed time? What's going to happen to Watford?
1: Oh. Tough question. Um, Long story short, Ranieri's got actually a longer leash than most managers with the Pozzo family, Uh, quite strong uh, Italian links, and and they've known each other for a while. So, uh, yes, results are going the wrong way, but I I think everyone's still pretty confident that he's the right man for the job. He's he's organised us, yes, on the surface, we haven't had a clean sheet all season, yes, on the surface, we're losing games. to put it mildly, consistently. Um, But actually, if you look at recent performances, if you you look at City, we weren't demolished. If you look at Chelsea, we we lost late. If you look at Brentford, we we lost late. Uh, Again, yesterday, lost late. (laughs) Um, There is a trend here that all comes back to the back four um, or or at times the back three. Watford haven't really had a centre-back pairing that is Premiership quality for, for the whole season. Fuster Kong isn't up to it. Craig Kaskar isn't up to it. cavaselli has been injured. Um, so Ranieri has actually done really well with the resources that he's got. And uh, I think this January, as with Newcastle, will be massive. Um, yes, it's a four-horse race, but I'm not sure it will be for long. I can see both clubs picking up a few points. Um, I you'd like to think Burnley might might also um push for for survival but we all seem to be enjoying each other's ineptitude at the moment. Um and as a Watford fan who I mean we must come out of this this run of defeats eventually. Um unfortunately we we've have, we have Newcastle in in a couple of weeks so you know I don't think all is lost just yet. So a line,
0: isn't it? That's a headline stealer. Enjoying each other's ineptitude. I always say that when I bring people onto the podcast, you know, makes me feel better about myself. Enjoying their ineptitude at this. Harry laughs in the background. It's a consistent theme when Harry's on the podcast, actually, to be fair. Um, no, I'm only joking, So probably. I think when it comes, actually, Oscar, really, to the... Um, it, it, you're right with the defence, because when, when whenever I watch or see Watford particularly... In Emmanuel Dennis, you have a player who's phenomenally exceeding the expectations, a live wire, capable of scoring. Exceeding his XG by a considerable amount. When Josh King actually, by XG, should have a similar amount of goals, if not more, it's actually Dennis who's running away with the with the goals. And that's fantastic for a team trying to beat the drop. Having goal scorers uh, at that end of the pitch, it seems like a really simple thing to say, but it's an absolutely important um important cog in that wheel the most arguably issue with dennis though is that now that he's not going to the africa cup of nations many have sort of said will that maybe hinder him in terms of from a mental point of view you know this is a player who doesn't often represent his country they they apparently received a late email uh, calling him up to represent his country that's quite convenient uh, that they received that late email but obviously from from the player's mental perspective is this going to have an effect maybe on his performances in the second half of the season? Will he feel like there's been a bit of a disservice done to him by his own
1: club? Not at all. Um, So there's been a lot of talk uh, about what's happened with the African Cup of Nations. And to be honest, it is quite entertaining that a little club in Hertfordshire has managed to viral uh, Senegal and Nigeria in the space of uh, 48 hours. I mean, when we were playing Barnsley or um, Preston North End a few years ago, you, you wouldn't have thought this would be happening. But um, no, Emmanuel Dennis um, didn't want to go. Uh, if we're putting it squarely, he has a long history of discord with the international team, the coach, um, the head coach of, of the Inter- of Nigeria, going into AFCON, uh, despised him, he despised his attitude, he despised his effort. Uh, Emmanuel didn't look like he was going 100% on the pitch so a couple of years ago he'd basically been been put on the back burner and said you will not play for, for your country under me obviously going in a couple of weeks before they they sack their head coach, they bring in a new one um, so it wasn't so much a matter of a late email, it was more of a matter that he wasn't first choice um, he didn't want to go, he'd been um, put on the back burner, as I said, with, with Nigeria previously, he, he wasn't loved. Um, the email is, is almost kind of um, removing the focus from, from what actually is, is occurring here, which is a player that doesn't want to play for his international team and the international team just want him as an additional man, just in case. So I, I don't think it will be too much of an issue.
0: No, that's fair as the announcement goes off in the background that was very well timed to in line with that and and, it, and it's a lot more insight than actually many of us have had to to, to put on the issue really and, and dennis was actually a player i believe who has in the past had some questions of attitude and, and that certainly isn't the case right now with watford he's, he's doing he's doing very very well so i suppose oscar when it comes to you seem fairly confident actually, even though there has been a decline in, in, in results about, about Watford's opportunities to, to to potentially survive and avoid the drop. So with that in mind, then how do you see the other teams get faring in this
1: four-horse race of hell? <laughs> Ignorance is bliss, isn't it? Um <laughs> naiveties are virtue. There's a few, few things we could band about here with with my beliefs about Watford. Um <sighs> It's, it's a really good question. I mean, Norwich are down. That's, that's by the by. Uh, Newcastle, it's hard to really say anything until we see what business they do this January and how quickly they can get players up to speed. I'm really interested to see how Kieran Trippier will do, um, having looked like he played his, his final game for, for the team today and, and bidding his farewells. I mean, money speaks volumes, doesn't it, with the Premier League? And I don't see Newcastle going down uh, because they will just spend what they need to. And as long as they're giving Sam some, some maximum, some sort of service, they're going to score goals. I think it's just showing up what, what's happening at the back and getting them into the right system, which I think Eddie Howe will do. So I think Newcastle will be fine. Obviously hard to believe at the moment, but money's money. Burnley, uh, <laughs> I, I don't feel like I could say this in front of you, but I think they're in real trouble. Um, I think they're—they've almost been found out. After a while, Sean Dyche has got a little bit stale. Obviously, I'd never say that to the man himself, um, but but the way that they play football it seems so obvious that a team can sit back um, and and just nod off those those long balls that that issue in the middle where they haven't quite managed to connect the midfield and and the forward pack. At, thus far this season um they're not conceding loads of goals they're certainly not a, a Watford or a Norwich at the back but I just can't see them winning games anytime soon or at least enough games to to catch up with with Leeds etc so oof, I think Watford are in real trouble purely because Newcastle will be fine and if we can catch up the leads, is if we can catch up the, those that, that might fall off at the back end i don't know maybe we're a, we're a little bit reliant on the pandemic at the moment to bring a few things back to us i i just don't think it'll be a four horse race by the end of it though
0: yeah i think that's what i mean I, I, it's, it's a very good summary i mean is a, is a, it was my last question for you oscar but it, i think i'll let harry ask what if he feels if he feels appropriate he's nodding his head he's looking at the tv in the background so harry any, any lasting qu- uh, questions for our wonderful German expat?
2: Question for all of you, really. And obviously this season, I don't think Newcastle fans expect to be in a position where after one win in 19, they'd have a pretty good chance of survival. Do you think 30 points would be enough to keep the team up this season? Because I think that's, that's going to be more than enough.
1: Oh, I didn't expect your final line there. Um, I don't think that it will be enough. just I think? Purely because. 31. Yeah. <laughs> well, This is where I kind of go to history. I mean, that would be the lowest since, well, since the creation of the Premier League, wouldn't it? Mm. Um, and yes, there is a divide at the top, um, between the top half and the bottom half. I think that's well evidenced, even between the top six, the top seven and the rest of the league. But I think teams will take points off each other. I think this has been particularly <laughs> extraordinary this first half of the season, how few points teams have picked up. Um, yes, I can see Noid challenging Derby for, for the lowest amount um, ever. That's a bit harsh, like, but I think they're going to struggle to get to 20. I think Burnley and Watford will almost push each other because of that competition. And I think both teams have, have a little run over the next month or so where, where they'd be expected to pick up some points. So I can see Watford picking up um at least six points in the, in the next month um and i think we'll see that push on above 30 quite quickly mm. but yeah, good question good question I, I'm, I'm gonna put it out there i think it's 35 will, will mean you stay up mm. like that out of thin air
0: What what i would say as well just to answer that question so eloquently put it was um i think that as the season draws on and gets into the final furlong, the teams that are still fighting for something to play with, maybe at the bottom, can often take points off people in the middle of the league who've maybe gone on the beaches or something like that. So we often see it from time to time. you'll know, you'll see teams like I was gonna say West Ham, but they could be fighting Southampton are the
2: number one. If you've got Southampton like fifth game mm. by the end of the season, you're gonna win. <laughs>
0: yeah and i mean i think at that point there are numerous teams that 10th 11th 12th 9th slightly not slightly too far away from europe nowhere near the bottom they're going to be on the coast and they're going to be on the beaches and that means then the teams that are fighting probably will get a few wins out of teams they wouldn't ordinarily have wins out of at this stage of the season in two three months time the whole situation changes the whole landscape changes so oscar's probably right so I'll, i'll go uh 33 i think because i think there's, there's there's substance to what you both say and i'm just going to be a bit different and sit somewhere in between so harry with 30 oscar you with 35 myself with 33 and now you are you have done wonderfully well actually oscar in the background with the with the uh, announcement the announcer uh, the wonderful german announcer have uh, just before you just before i let you leave um because it didn't get asked or it did get asked but it got lost at the start of the start of the chat we had uh, have you had a wonderful new year in germany
1: yes <laughs> so yeah, yeah, yes i have
0: very good very good well here's to a better hopefully a better 2022 and i'll let you go now and get prepared for that flight we don't want you missing it
1: appreciate it all the best both uh, yeah. yeah i See think that was german
0: that was german i think my german's awful uh it's 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 not one of my talents actually at new year's there was a there was the girl there who could speak german french a bit of chinese and uh, obviously english and a bit of welsh i can barely speak english and then i i said yeah oh, but does know, she have a blue tick <laughs> you know what someone said someone said actually at that party she said Oh, I'm quite big on Instagram, and that's what I said. Oh. <laughs> I said, I said, well, excuse me there, but um, this is a verification badge. <laughs> Means I'm a VIP anyway. Fantastic. That's enough about me. Now, Oscar's gone, and obviously Watford's discussion has gone. That was quite. That was a very good uh, question, actually, Harry, with the, with the, with the, with the points total. And I, I suppose we're going to say that most years, aren't we? Because there's always teams that look poor, and then we forget about the fact that teams, some teams, are basically on the beaches with a few months to go, and it, the landscape changes, doesn't it? But it is, it is a thoughtful question in all fairness, and he, we'll t- we'll go to Newcastle now. Then I'll I'll, let, I'll 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 flip it on its head, and you can interview me for the for the last bit. But I think with Newcastle. I think I think Oscar's going to be up perfectly, isn't it? It's so difficult to say where Newcastle are going to finish now because even though Trippier deal looks like it could go over the line, still need another three or four, really, before you can say, oh, well, this team's going to propel up the division and, and turn this awful form around.
2: Yeah, very, very interesting. It's probably one of the most exciting times to support Newcastle, despite the situation they're in at the minute. I mean, Kieran Trippier, yeah, barring a late hijack from Chelsea or Man United, looks like it's going to be the first player through the door. I mean, that's ripping up the old transfer rule at Newcastle. 31-year-old signing probably north of £25 million on 150 grand a week, something along the lines of that is, is pretty crazy. They're looking mm-hmm. at Sven Botman from Lille, who you know he's going to be partner of Van Dijk probably hit the World Cup mm. alongside him. They've, you know there's there's a range of players they're after, but they've got to get them in place. And it mm-hmm. depends on how much money they're willing to spend because the talk is they want to bring in at least five players in this window, and they need it. Like Oscar said, I think he he said it pretty spot on. They score goals in Newcastle, but defensively they're shambles. If they can sure up that defence, keep Wilson fit, keeps it maximum fit, I think they'll stay up and. If I, you know, out of the the three teams, Burnley, Newcastle, and Watford, I think I'd rather be in Newcastle situation than the other two teams. I, mm. You know, maybe i have seen that through Rose Tinted Glasses, but I certainly um. think Newcastle got the best chance of stopping up. Certainly think they've got the best chance of stopping up. But you know, things can happen. Look at Leeds this season, the injuries they've had. Where without St. Maximan and Wilson now, I think mm. till well, I think we'll have St. Maximan back for Watford, but Wilson's going to be out till mid-February. We need a striker. To replace mm. him as well mm. because Dwight Gill's the only backup and he's a, he's a championship striker nowadays, mm. so a lot of work done. They've got to get it right, they've got to get players in, they dust themselves down. Sorry, gotta dust, the dust down. Roll sleeves, <laughs> <laughs> sleeves up. Yeah, no, it's a very, very difficult month to operate in, and I think <laughs> the Saudi consortium have got to put their money where their mouth is and they've just got to go for it because I think relegation is just too costly.
0: I really do wish it was still Steve Bruce at the helm for this position can you imagine some of the players he's bringing in Andy Carroll well, Alex <laughs> would be in Alex yeah. would be in he yeah. <laughs> probably would yeah um, no it's, it is a, it certainly is an exciting time from a Newcastle perspective and to be honest it would be a funny on, on a neutral level if Newcastle spent a fortune and went down I mean it would everyone wants to see us relegate <laughs> like, we are the
2: most hated yeah. club in the world yeah. but I think a lot of us like up here, we've got a bit of a siege mentality going on. Mm. It's just against the world, and yeah. let, let's just see what let's see what happens. But to be Bru- to even be within a shout of survival here, one win in nineteen, we are very very lucky. So yeah, let, let's see what happens.
0: Yeah, I mean, it, well, Bruce had a siege mentality, didn't he? It was him against the fans. <laughs> that, was was bull- <laughs> that man was bulletproof. <laughs> he was. He was. He He's enjoying himself now, probably in Marbella somewhere, <laughs> or maybe Qatar.
2: I think. For uh, the last- like two months oh beyond
0: yeah. with richard keys weren't you and andy ooh. gray and brucey it's true they'll, they'll be together i didn't know did, an, did, did <laughs> i did i speed up lag then i think i, I bet i did I bet yeah I did. you're all right now i'm okay that's good um no i think it, i think that you, you're right really the the optimism is, is strained considering the situation it's a very unique situation given that there's a multi-billion pound well the richest owners of the premier league have come and taken charge of your club doesn't happen every day it Kieran Trippier coming from Atletico Madrid doesn't happen every day to a to a club at the, near the bottom of the table. Um, you know, Sven Botman being linked as well from uh, Lille, very very accomplished centre back, good on the ball. Question marks about his mobility, but we'd have to see what happened with that in the in the league. And like you say, centre has been a problem issue. You could probably get you could probably sign any Tom Harry at the moment, and there would probably be an yeah. improvement on that uh, from 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 rambles you've had in the past. So I guess then. There's optimism there. Where could it go wrong? Possibly.
2: Injuries, I think, would be the biggest issue. Mm. I think it, it just it depends all on this window, Johnny. I mean, look, if they get a striker in as a backup, a reliable backup to Callum Wilson, that's what mm. they need.
0: Harry Kane. Think, other than
2: and and also other teams picking up results as well, because mm. technically, look, if if Watford and Burnley win their games, mm. they'll stay up. Technically, it's out of Newcastle's hands at the minute. Mm. Yeah, but on the evidence of Burnley and Watford I think even Newcastle with their current squad are better than the two sides around us so with significant improvement look I don't think it's going to be drastic but you're not going to see like nine or ten players come in I don't think they'll spend Just like eight. 200 million but yeah, mm. seven maybe <laughs> seven, seven. No, seven and a half maybe four maybe four or five players Alex a decent Bruce. amount of money yeah Alex Bruce, yeah, they they just need. It's all on January. I'll, I'll let you know at the end of the month on that one.
0: Mm, mm, very good. No, it's fair. It's fair. I mean, my analysis is going to be quite different, obviously, because there's there's not that level of um of, of assurance, not that level of security. And after today's game against Leeds, a game which really could have brought Leeds into the thick of it, I think, because Leeds were on the on the downward spiral. They'd had some heavy defeats. They lined up today, Leeds with uh, Roberts, Patrick Roberts, uh, Tyler Roberts. Sorry. In, uh, in 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 the striker position. He's not a striker really, or he's, he's not really much of anything. He's sort of a here, there, and everywhere kind of player. Never really convinced me at this level when I've seen him play. They had several injuries throughout the team. Forshaw, as you noted to me before we went on, was in the position of Calvin Phillips. Again, really big, no disrespect to Foreshaw, but Phillips runs that team. Um, there was no Rodrigo, no Bamford. And the team generally collectively didn't look particularly good on the day and yet they could have scored five goals so that in itself the fact that it depleted the Leeds team that didn't necessarily play that well could have scored five goals is alarming it's crazy to think um that that was the that was the performance really of a Sean Dyche Burnley team really The, the manager who says that minimum requirement is maximum effort. I think that's plastered on one of the UCFB advertisements as well. Uh, so, that, so they definitely nicked that from, from, from the great man. But that was always a mantra that he ran with him for a very long period of time. For the for the majority of his tenure, that's something you could see in the in, in the team. If they lost, they would lost and they, they'd lose, but they go down trying by blocking every ball or every ball that they could, by playing the ball up the pitch with intensity, by almost playing on the edge, which is a word he uses a lot, edge. Uh, they want teams to play with edge, which means a bit, be physical, but don't overdo it. There's not been a red card in a very, I think it's the longest team in the Premier League without a red card, so playing on the edge sensibly, living up to the dark arts, making life difficult. There's none of that against Leeds. Um, players were half-pressing. They weren't throwing their bodies on the line. They couldn't pass two balls together. It was quite abysmal, and the the, the one goal, which was a wonderful goal from Maxwell Corne uh, was a 30-yard free kick. And he's going to Africa Cup of Nations. So when it comes to optimism, and and, and you your your team and, and Newcastle are filled with it aplenty. Uh, to be fair, I thought Oscar was quite surprisingly optimistic. I, I, don't, I don't know if I'd be that optimistic. If I was yeah, able. I mean,
2: after 6.30 <laughs> feet, I mean, I, I forgot <laughs> to ask him as well about Ranieri because I think there's a massive possibility that they'll sack him before the game on the 15th. That's such a big game. I mean, if Watford lose that against us, then uh, oh, they really, <laughs> they're really to fair,
0: Harry, I did ask that at the start and, um, you know, and, and you clearly weren't listening, but you did, I did ask that at the start and I did <laughs> say... No, I don't really, really like that, though, but yeah. it? No, but, but he, said he, he said he's unlikely to go because of his relationship with the family, uh, the Pozo family. And They so, are back. To be fair, I
2: think they've got two or three come in as well.
0: So. so we'll have to see. We'll have to see. I mean, um, but it was. I mean, for, as I said, from the Burnley standpoint, again, we're talking about it off air, uh, off air, off pod. The underinvestment, the years of underinvestment, actually not too dissimilar to Newcastle, is it really? If you think about it, years of not spending enough in, tra- in the in the in the transfer windows. It all stems back to when Sean Dyche in seventeen eighteen got Burnley to seventh Europa League football or qualifying. The opportunity was there to really level up, to take Burnley's transfer spending to the next level, not to go like £100 million, but to sign maybe three £15 million pound players just to get the squad up again. And Ben Gibson was built for £15 million, to be fair, but it was a bit of a panic buy, and he eventually left in unceremonious circumstances when he fell out with Sean Dyche after playing about two games in a, one and a half years. So that wasn't good. And then Matej Vidra came in for 11000000 million. He hasn't really settled ever at Burnley. So they did spend... They did. No, they did. But it was panicked. Vidra was a panic buy at the end. Joe Hart was a panic buy when it looked like Heaton would be out for longer than he was, and he was actually only out for the first two weeks. And that didn't work out. Vidra didn't work out. And Gibson, again, that was almost like Ben Me was supposedly leaving, might have had a contractual issue. He actually signed. Gibson ended up rotting on the bench. So you're right. There was money spent. It wasn't as much as maybe it could have been spent, but it was spent, but it was spent poorly. And ever since that point, it's been Misstep after misstep after misstep until recently with Alan Pace, which was with the best window in years. But that's not enough to make up for the two or three years of poor, of, 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 of underinvestment. The year after, a cup price Jay Rodriguez became available and nostalgia took over. Fans loved it. But he was, you know, his cup price Jay Rodriguez because he wasn't the same player that left to pursue new heights and, and, and was linked with England. He had a really bad injury, dwell at West Brom, of course. But then came back, he's not quite the same player, he's done well but it, but again it's not a revolutionary signing he sort of was the the, the staple point for that window that summer after the 1780s so eighteen nineteen season, he was the staple point year after that, again not much in the way of transfers, the worst one was in the window for the fanless season or the stadium the fans without stadiums for the full season so that would have been 2021 obviously the season that just started a bit later as well there was Dale Stevens came in for four hundred thousand pounds. Jeff Hendrick left on a free. Jeff Hendrick played a lot of games for Burnley in a lot of positions. Not the best player, as you know. He's not the most talent, but he was a grafter. He worked hard. To be
2: fair, if I mean, I think well, I'm sure we'll get on to Tarkovsky, Johnny. Yeah, the situation yeah. there, but I think we would be more than happy to give you Jeff Hendrick back, maybe as part of that deal.
0: He's, he wasn't the most spectacular signing, but he played a lot. He played a lot, and he put a lot of effort in, and he covered every blade of grass. And he scored some important goals to replace to not replace him and bring Dale Stevens in, who's been virtually on the on the sidelines for most of his time at the club. And for that to be the only signing of note with Will Norris, the third goalkeeper, in that summer, he let we entered Burnley entered that season 2021, weaker than they finished 1920. That's unforgivable for a club. You know, every season you should be trying to improve on what you have. To do that, it's unforgivable. How Sean Dyche kept the club up in that season is incredible. It's incredible. It was a miracle job. And you could tell by the end of the season when he had kept them up officially, it it was almost as though everyone was so exhausted and there was such a slant at the end. It was a 4-0 loss to Leeds, 1-0 loss to Sheffield United. There was another quite big loss at the end when Burnley officially stayed up. It was like, oh my God, we put so much into that bid and now we can just sort of breathe. And then as soon as they breathed, Bam. Big loss, big loss, big loss. Brilliant summer window, Harry, to be fair. Brilliant summer window. Maxwell Corne, great signing. Connor Roberts on paper, good signing. Has struggled a bit with fitness, but he needs to get into the team as soon as he can. He really does because he's a really good player. Collins, very good signing. Come in and he's looked as good as Tarkovsky, if not better. As you say, that might be because he's head somewhere else, but really good signing again. Three really good signings. Hennessy, very, very good backup to Pope. Someone who you can kind of rely upon for the old game because he's got that experience. One summer window, unfortunately, doesn't compensate for years of of dithering and nothingness in in the window, years of not getting the right players, years of not building on the year before. And that's why I think Burnley's in the position they're in because currently the players there, many of them have been there for a long time. The situation has got quite stale. As I was saying to you before, went on, are the players bored of hearing the same voice and the same coach and doing the same drills and training for three, four years? Do they are they complacent because some of them probably will never get dropped even Tarkovsky, has had a few if performances don't get won't get won't get dropped because he's got the the backing and the support of his manager who's always backed and supported him as he's always backed and supported virtually everyone on that football field who plays pretty much every game whatever whatever it is it's looking a bit bleak and there's two there's two well january is massive because i think one or two players do need to come in 100% and I also think that some radical thinking needs to be done with that squad, whether for, I mean, I, I did a team on Twitter and people were saying, well, whoa, whoa, this is very radical. This is very out there. I mean, that's what it needs now. When Burnley lost 5-1 to Everton on Boxing Day in seventeen eighteen season or eighteen nineteen season, sorry, everyone thought Burnley were gone then. And, and, and many Burnley fans had resigned to the fact of relegation because that was one of the worst performances of the Dyche era. After that, a few days later, Burnley played a decent West Ham team. They won 2-0. Dyche made some radical changes. He got rid of Joe Hart, who he persisted with for the whole season and brought Heaton back in from the cold, brought Bardsley in to add a bit of bite to the defence. He went back to a 4-4-2, having previously gone with a 4-5-1, changed the two strikers. He brought Dwight McNeil in from the academy. He'd never started the Premier League game, put him in, and he's virtually been an ever present since then. And he made some really big calls then, very unshawn Dyches-like, he picked a team, he picked the team apart that hadn't been doing well. And he made some really big calls, really radical calls. And I feel like something like that's needed now uh, with a bit of January investment because it's, it is looking bleak and something needs to be done.
2: Question to you about James Tarkovsky. Because I think there's been a lot of talk, mm. and I think Tarkovsky himself wants to be at Newcastle, certainly wants to leave the club. It seems he's wanted to for quite you a He saw us tell you that, he- did he? Well, I've, I've seen it with my own eyes. <laughs>
0: He's
2: wearing Newcastle shirt. He was out, out in the and tune time.
0: and he was wearing Newcastle shirt on New Year's Eve.
2: Sorry, carry <laughs> on. Cracking Jordy accent, mate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> with Tarkovsky, obviously, he, he wants to come. And Burnley, we're probably, Newcastle, probably the last club Burnley will want to sell a player to, especially in this situation. Yeah. Now, or Watford. There's... <laughs> Yeah, there's proposal and on all sides. I mean, firstly, if we were to sign Tarkovsky from Burnley, it would significantly strengthen our hand against you. Mm. If we were to give you money for him, mm. you can use that money to then mm. spend mm. on your squad, which will yeah. help you improve. Yeah. What's your stance with Tarkovsky? Because he's clearly not really been... I think mean, he was pretty bad today, wasn't he? I think he? I've seen it, I think, for Harrison's goalie. It was his mistake. Yeah. Do you, do you want that sort of player around? Because I think it's pretty clear he wants a way and reinvest that money or is it kind of like he's got so much quality keep him in the side and hopefully he can keep us up and then you can leave in the summer
0: yeah it's a hard one because I, today it looked like he was his head was in the clouds a little bit but there have been games this season where he's been very good he's not been he's not been subpar in every game he's played this season I suppose if he was then he wouldn't it'd be Nathan Collins playing he has had some good performances some robust performances the performances that have have teams like Newcastle United been linked with him but there have also been a few times when he hasn't delivered those performances. I mean, against Southampton was another one where he did a very similar thing to to this uh, to the mistake today and uh, it cost a goal there. I think has scored in that, in that instance. But that, in a way as well, just to flip that on the side, that is kind of what you get with James Tarkovsky. He's a very casual, very laid-back centre-back. He doesn't overthink passes and that's, that's a good and a bad thing. Comes out with the ball, very nonchalantly plays the ball forward, progressive passer, always looking for the forward pass. That's what he's always been like, that's his mentality. He's been caught out for it against Brentford. Brentford, uh, Brentford. Southampton's he been caught out for it against Leeds. If Newcastle sign him, he'll do that for Newcastle as well. There are mistakes in his game because of the way he plays. That's just inevitable. But again, I do think generally, while he has had some good performances over the course of the season, I think it's clear that it's not quite the James Tarkovsky of, of what we've come to expect from his prime. It's not quite there. But you can say that with a few of the players. I mean, the Ben Me situation, contract situation, his contract runs out in the the summer. That hasn't been sorted. I mean, that's another one. That's another big issue to fix. I think it's it's very difficult. I don't think there's a right or wrong answer for Tarkovsky. Many fans would sell him tomorrow. Honestly, many people would sell him tomorrow. Others wouldn't because others say, well, there have been times this season where he has stepped up, where he has performed, where, and, you know, at the end of the day, Despite his mistakes, despite his laid back demeanour, he's a very good centre half. And giving him to Newcastle it does strengthen their hand because he walks straight into the 11. And obviously, you know, and, and, and alongside Trippier helps that defence improve a great deal. But it's it, 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 at the same time, if, if Newcastle don't, sign Tarkovsky. They'll go and sign to Van Botman or another wonderful centre-half as well because they'll have the money to do it. So it's not like you can if Burnley held Newcastle to ransom, they'll sign someone else, you know, of a, of a high calibre. For me, if, if that's what you're asking, I, I'd be tempted to sell now I would be. I, I wasn't a week or two ago. How much though? Because obviously, I think everyone would be. Only up, if it's like only, ten million. Yeah, only sixty million plus max amount, Only um, <laughs> uh, throw a Wilson in there and a Steve Bruce for banter. But um, no, I I think fifteen to twenty, and I'd be tempted to sell fifteen. You, I think it's doable. Although because of the finances that Newcastle have, I would be because. In reserve, as I said, Nathan Collins, very good centre-back, very good centre-back, looks at home in the Premier League and he wants to be at the club 100%. Use the money to help in other areas, potentially out wide or central midfield, probably the two most areas, areas in need of most improvement. And it could be quite a smart bit of business. I also suggested, I think I did this on Twitter, that maybe... Matt Ritchie in part exchange could work because long-term, I don't think Matt Ritchie's future is at Newcastle, to be honest. He also plays at fullback, which isn't his favourite position. At Burnley, he would be probably guaranteed to play as one of the wide players. Dwight McNeil seems to play every game and he's struggling. He looks exhausted now. Johan berg goodmanson has been playing every game for a while now or, or played a lot this season, which is good because he hasn't been injured, but his performances are flattered to deceive. I think someone of Rich's abilities—he's a leader, he's a warrior. Tenacious in the tackle, good with dead ball situations. I think he'd make a world. Of, he could make a world of difference for Burnley's creative options. He wouldn't do that for Newcastle, I don't think, because Newcastle are looking above that now. But for New for Burnley, you know, I—I th- I mean, at the same time, Harry, I know you—you—you you, you know Matt Rich quite well from a mentality point of view. His character and a character point of view he's exactly the kind of player you want in the team, isn't he? Someone that's going to run and give hundred and ten percent pretty much every game. Unless he falls out with Steve Bruce as he did one, in one or two of those games,
2: yeah. And I don't think Newcastle would entertain selling any player to Burnley as part of the part exchange, just because they don't really need they don't really need to give... Why would they give you a player like that? That's the sort of thing. And I think Richie well, isn't that the same Burnley. logic at Burnley then? Yeah, but the, if the price is right at Burnley, I think they'd sell. The cost his, his contracts out in six months. Yeah, so yeah it's yeah. A, it's, a, it's a different it's a different situation. But Richie's wanted to go back to Bournemouth. I think he wanted to go in the summer. Clearly, like locked around his dressing room. It was like, that far advanced. Then they pulled the plug in at last minute. So I think if Richie's going to go anywhere, it will be back to Bournemouth. But like you said, in terms of a leader, he's absolutely a player you want around your club. You know, he gives 110% for the club. You know, He works hard, passion. He's got it all in abundance. But in terms of like, football and quality, there's better players at Newcastle. And mm. his, his days are probably past him. But would I... Would I Give him to Burnley as part of the deal for Tarkovsky? Absolutely not. Newcastle should go and look elsewhere. He would they, be good for want. Burnley, though, wouldn't he?
0: Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, it would be a great signing for Burnley. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: I think he would fit in. Like you said, I think he'd fit in perfectly to the way that Daesh plays. i top like 4-4-2. Yeah. Would he come in and replace McNeil or would it, it would be Goodmanson? No, it'd be, be Goodmanson, yeah. It'd be probably uh, Richie. So you would, you would start Richie? Yeah, yeah Richie and uh,
0: McNeil, I think. As, as, even though I say McNeil's been struggling a bit, of like, he's still a very good player in a very difficult time at the moment i think what, what we haven't done actually we haven't touched on norwich as well we sort of said norwich are absolutely down but they're sort of still in and around in newcastle and Burnley. i mean he's a weird one isn't it when dean smith came in i remember they had a, a very i think someone said it was the smallest manager bounce of all time where they won the first game then they got the draw against newcastle and he thought oh they are not doing too bad they actually played quite well against newcastle didn't they as well uh, didn't do too mm, badly. Ten
2: men all game.
0: Probably should have yeah, won. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but what uh, what what is it with Newcastle? Is it is it a, is it a collective club mentality thing? Is, D, is Dean Smith really that much of an upgrade on Daniel Farker? Is You know, or, or is is it feels like it's a collective general issue, doesn't it, with Newcastle? As though they are a club that are almost. They spent quite a bit, Yeah, they spent quite a bit in the summer, didn't they? But. It's it's almost like the heads always in the championship, and they know they're too good for that league. But then when they come up, it just doesn't seem to want to ever happen. But then again, I say that, and they're still in and around the Burnley and the Newcastle and the Watford camps, and they could still,
2: no numerically do it. They frustrate the living hell out of me, to be honest, Norwich City. You know, I, I just think it's quite annoying. I feel sorry for the fans as well because they essentially throw the towel in before the season started. Mm. And I think a lot of them this year, when they got promoted, it was like, look, let's let you know, we've, got, we've got a good team now. Let's keep a hold of these players. Yeah, We can build on this squad and have a pop at survival. I don't think any Norwich fan going into the season was expecting them to stay up, no. but at least give it a fight. I mean, when you sell Emiliano Buendier, your best player, to Aston Villa before the season started, it's just not the way to go on. I think then they pretty much threw in the towel. Like we said, I think before the podcast, we were talking about Norwich and we said that their team in the championship last year was significantly better than the side they've got this season. Yeah. You know, they had just Skip playing in midfield yeah. and have They have, they have Gilmore team, so.
0: now, though, don't
2: they? Gilmore. Well, they don't like him. It
0: seems. No, no. I think, I told it to really f Don't f
2: off, f off. And I, 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 pardon my French. I don't I'm not I think He's part way. of a bigger problem, isn't he? Yeah. Gilmore. I, I feel he, look. He's young kid. I don't think he should be expected to single-handedly drag Norwich out of survival. They're I mean, in such a dire situation. He's only good as good as the players around him. Yeah. As well, and it's not a good team. I mean, Josh Sargent, poor bloke. I mean. <laughs> is people say that Joe Linton was a bad signing for £40 and always a world beater now but Josh Sarger for £7 million is perhaps one of the worst signings you'll see in the Premier League and look, the only reason they're in and around it was because of that little new manager bounce they had but yeah. if Norwich get 20 points this season I'll commend them and, and on to Dean Smith as well and Daniel Farker Daniel yeah. Farker I think for, with a, if you give him a decent side I think you do a very good job in yeah. this league I yeah. still think he's a good manager just that side that philosophy doesn't work and if they go when they go down, Norwich Dean Smith will probably bring them straight back up. So we'll be having this conversation again in twenty-four months' time.
0: Yeah, just a, just a word on Smith, actually. I mean, I was sort of thinking about it. Someone wondered, asked me sort of, whether well, he could rank managers from one to twenty. Where da 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 da. I mean, Dean Smith's done quite. He did, he did, he did a respectable job, for filler. He's a respectable guy. He's a seem you know a nice kind of everything. Uh, is he? Do you think he's still learning about being a Premier League coach, or do you think he's because? You know, when he went there, I remember some people were telling me, oh, that's a really big upgrade on Far I was thinking, is it though? Is it really? Similar almost in many ways. He got out of the Championship, did well in, in, you know, bringing bringing Villa to the promised land of the Premier League again. Stumbled over the line, having spent 200 million in his first season with Villa to keep them up on the final day. Did well the season after, but that was Grealish-inspired largely. Struggled when he had to build a system without Jack Grealish still a few question marks isn't there on, on, on Dean Smith as an a established Premier League manager or someone you go to maybe for if you're a club struggling at the bottom
2: I think it's a bit of a middle of the ground I don't think it's an upgrade on falk because no. I think falk was actually a really good manager I just think the team he had I don't think anybody would have kept that up to be fair No. and with Dean Smith I mean the, the, he's a good manager. Like yeah, I, I think he gets yeah. a lot of bad stick. I think I think he, all around, I think he's done a good job at Villa. Yeah. But I think all their fans would agree it had run the course. They would spent an awful amount of money, and that amount of money demanded that push towards Europe. Now and yeah. they needed to get out of that. And Dean Smith isn't the sort of manager that will get you top six, top seven. But what he will do is he'll get you a solid yourselves down in, in the Premier League. Yeah. Dust yourselves down. And and look when you compare, you know, the job at Villa. When Steve Bruce was sacked by Villa and, and Dean Smith came in, I think he dragged Villa from, you know, near the bottom of of the championship table all the way to a to a player final victory. So I think Dean Smith's done a done a remarkable job at Villa. And I just think that Norwich, whoever was gonna take that job, even if it was Pep, in keeping that team up, unfortunately. No. So lastly then on on this relegation themed pod, who would well
0: who do you see in the, in the bottom three? Come the end of the season, you obviously don't see Newcastle there. So,
2: well, you never know. You see, the, the, the defeat. Is don't say that, sun, Actually, unless like... you put them in it. Don't say that. <laughs> it's hard to say though. I think it's like yeah. come to the end of the at the end of January, I can go out and there. But look, I'm not going to see Newcastle going to go down. Of course not. I think we'll get over the line. We'll sc- it'll not be as convincing as people think Like you said, I think when you get to the end of the season. Teams are on on the holidays, that sort of thing. A lot yeah. of it looks at you know the fixtures and who you've mm. got, uh, but I think Norwich twentieth nailed on, and uh, I'm gonna go Watford nineteenth. I'm gonna go Burnley. I'm gonna go Burnley eighteenth. I just think that both of those sides are. Like Burnley, I think it's run its course with yep. the players. You're, you're a lot similar to Newcastle really. You've, you've had the same squad for a long time, mm. and over the years it's got significantly worse. And the investments come. Too late. It's come too late in Newcastle, but thankfully it's, they've got it's more than enough. A bottom, yeah. a bottomless pit of money to be able to invest in that squad. Whereas Burnley don't you too watch Alan on
0: now? You watch 10 million. Too heavily reliant on
2: yeah, um, no. yeah, and yeah, and, and Washford as well. Emmanuel Dennis and Saw are gonna have to have remarkable form yeah. up to the end of the season, along with new signings hitting the ground running. And I just think there's just too much going on at Watford in terms of manager sackings, and it's a bit too much of a merry-go-round for me. So I think Newcastle will just about survive, but don't count Everton being out of this relegation threat as well. It's an outside call; they'll they'll be all right; they'll stay up.
0: They'll but dismiss Benitez before it gets to that. I think
2: there, there is a there is there is hell on Everton. It's if you're if you're a non-Everton fan. It is a very, very interesting watch. Watching them at Goodison because they are not happy with anything going on with our football club. And if Mushi yeah. sticks behind Benitez, it could it could turn sour. Even though I think he's, I think he's had a tough really because I mean, he's had no, yeah, I he's no back end, really he's in terms had nothing. Of FFP and, yeah, and you know DCL has been out like all year, so missing, think, penalties, missing penalties, missing right penalties
0: when he now? comes back. Oh well, some of my best friends are Everton fans sure. actually, and um, they, they, they when he, when he was coming in, they were raffer out. After he won, they were marginally rough. Well, they, they were. They were. There were no comment. And then when they lost one or two, it's rough route again. It was the most nonsensical appointment of it in in managerial history. It's like, it's like I don't know, Harry appointing a Sunderland just, legend to, to Newcastle. Sense. You wouldn't do it, would you? You wouldn't appoint a, a legend. I mean, of as, as much
2: of a good manager he is, it was never ever going to work. No, a Liverpool legend won the Champions League with yeah. him. Yeah. Had been exiled in China after leaving China. Newcastle, yeah. to then go to Everton, yeah. and I think uh, it, I feel bad for Rafa because Newcastle yeah, fans love the book a bit, but even I wouldn't have him back now. No, that's no, I would leave that chapter closed. But I mm. think they they probably need to sack him. To be fair, yeah. who do they get though? I think like, Duncan Ferguson would like come in and just it? You know, you know who
0: I wins. think they should oh. get? Legend manager oh. who's just been out of work for a few months to be replaced no <laughs> dust
2: yourself down
0: dust yourself <laughs> down that's what I think <laughs> Bruce Lee Solskjaer is, oh, if they got Solskjaer that no. would be funny that would be funny but
2: Johnny we've not asked you yeah. your bottom three
0: no I agree you with know, you I've, I've I agree with yours bit, and I, think I agree with would, I think Oscar
2: would, yeah you think Oscar would say they'd go down because I think he, he was confident they'd stay up but he was, if yeah. he thinks Newcastle are going to steal. Who goes? Who goes down? Because it, it leads. Yeah, I
0: was. I was also thinking that. Yeah, I. I, I don't yeah. think leads. I think. Yeah. No. I agree with the old predictions. Actually, I'd even argue Burnley nineteenth because there's just been such a. Again, it's really different because difficult because because if Burnley signed one or two players, ideally a central midfielder and a winger, and he makes a few radical changes with the squad that he has, brings Connor Roberts in, gives him more minutes, um, brings Nathan Collins in, maybe and lets him start regularly at centre-back, maybe even brings a Phil Bardsley in to do some reduces from right-back. Honestly, sometimes that's what the the, the team on the pitch needs, someone to liven things up. Then you really don't know, because when the Dyches train does reach full momentum in the past, we've, we've seen it many times, negative form can switch like that. It can just go and suddenly Burnley, this really hard team to beat and, They've gone unbeaten in a month or two. And, it, and these, things, these things have happened when you could not imagine them happening. After, as I say, I'll recite back to the Everton game on Boxy Day, lost 5-1, looked bleak, d- grim, way off the pace. And then I'm pretty sure it was about two and a half months unbeaten. The only thing it needs is a spark. And at the moment, there isn't one. So, I'm, like I say, radical changes in, with the current squad. Bit of, a, bit of outside the box thinking. One or two signings in January, you never, never know. At the moment, I'd say nineteenth. If if there is no if there's a lack of January investment, if there isn't any radical thinking with the lineup, if the same players keep playing, I think it's probably nineteenth and curtains again. Um, and then Watford, I think, as you say, in eight in eighteenth, simply because, as you say, it probably would be Newcastle, but for the fact that they've got it's almost like on on career mode where you get the option for a billion pound takeover on FIFA. That's literally what's happened in real life, and Newcastle could fit, easily finish seventeenth. They really could easily finish 17th because I don't think it's going because to be there's win. nothing in it, is there really? No. It's
2: literally like three points if that really
0: yeah. I don't see it being win-win-win-win-win-win all the way to the end and Newcastle finish 10th. Oh, I don't no. think it will no, not at all. There's so much it's 17th. It could be, yeah. I think it will be. I think I can't see the bottom four changing. There's all, like you said, there's always someone that gets dragged into it. Maybe, maybe it would be funny, Everton. Uh, you know, say that. Funnier with... things
2: have happened, because I remember the year where John Carver kept us in the league. I think we were yeah. ninth when Pardew went, went to Crystal Palace. <laughs> ninth at Christmas and then ended up staying up on the final days. So funnier things have happened. Yeah. But yeah. I think the difference with the league this season is the top sides are so good. Yeah. Aren't dropping points to any yeah. of our, our teams. No. And then we're just losing, losing, losing. Yes. Oh, getting a draw here against Southampton. Lose, lose, yeah. lose, 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 occasional yeah. wins. So yeah. It's like, like I said, 30 points I think will keep you up this season because I don't really see any of our three teams involved, even if you include Norwich picking mm. more than five wins up by the end of the year?
0: No, it, yeah, I, I think the challenges are bigger than they've ever been and I think I think it's also very challenging in the EFL you can never write off the championship, if you go down, I know Burnley bounced back straight away when they first went down to the Shandai and I know Newcastle have a habit of bouncing back quickly from the championship as well, and to be fair if Newcastle they go down they probably would because they'd spend about £300 million more than everyone else, but It's still a very, very competitive league, and we've seen big, big Sunderland Sunderland going down famously, and going into League One. It can be a very difficult... If you've not got your house in order, it's a very difficult league because all of those teams or most of those teams, they're honest. They get into the tackle. They get stuck in. They run every blade of grass. Obviously, the Premier League is different kettle of fish. You need quality with that as well, but you know, it, take no guarantees with any team that goes down. But, yeah, just to conclude, Harry, yeah, unfortunately at the moment, yeah, 20th Norwich, nineteenth Burnley, 18th Watford. But that can all... It's, it's difficult. We'll do a re- resume on after January because then you, everything changes. But at this moment, I don't know. That's what I would say. And that's rather bleak from the Burnley standpoint but, and rather good from the Newcastle one. Anyway, round that off. My thanks to Oscar. My thanks to Harry. My thanks to relegation chat. My thanks. We had a relegation chat. I'm not thanking that. But... um, I think, I think in future we will look at more specific themes. I think top four will come up. I think uh, title race has already come, but there will be um, a lot more discussion to be had on very specific topics as opposed to trying to cover every single thing and every blade of grass um please do give us a review please do give us a subscribe please do all of that good stuff uh subscriptions and, and reviews positive reviews help broaden the reach five star ratings are much appreciated four star if you've been a bit pernickety but please don't do, do five do we like five anyway take care stay safe thanks for listening and hopefully if you're a listener in the england uh by the time we do this next time you're not in a lockdown but if you are it's because something to listen to i suppose while you're bored